Hi, I'm Valerie Moisel. Over 20 years ago, I co-founded my company with a creative spark, an entrepreneurial spirit, and a fearless attitude. I've long dreamed of sharing a space where I can interview successful women and hear them talk from their hearts about how they found their way. What I'm learning is it's not such a linear path. We all have what I call the four S's. The initial spark, the snag which trips you up, the shift that helps you find your way to the final S, success. No, not always in that order, and yes, sometimes the steps repeat. Together, we will learn from each other and be inspired. These are women who rule. This is She Dynasty. She Dynasty is back with another amazing female entrepreneur and medical doctor. Her name is Dr. Renee Dua, and she is the co-founder and chief medical officer of Heal.com. Renee is a board-certified nephrologist, internal medicine doctor, and also the mom of three children. Heal.com is an on-demand doctor house call service that provides quality, comprehensive, urgent pediatric, preventative, and family medicine service directly to your home. You can do it seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., which your actual doctor won't do, 365 days a year, which your actual doctor won't do, including weekends and holidays. That's my favorite part. And I'm excited to say that this is the very first episode where we've actually had a female guest who is a medical doctor. I am always so enamored by medical doctors. I have so many questions for them. So today we're going to ask lots and lots of questions. Um, As we know, um, being a medical doctor is a profession that is already so intense and demanding. And Renee has managed to couple that with creating a game-changing company that is revolutionizing the way people interact with doctors. All right. So hello, Renee. Hi. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, As you kind of heard a second ago, I'm actually very excited to interview you just because I've always had this this kind of infatuation with this idea of um, being a medical doctor. Um, I I actually tell this story um, on a previous podcast, but it was my dream as a little girl to be a medical doctor. Um, turns out that it could not be um, a, a worse fit for me for many, many reasons. Um, one being that I, I don't like needles or blood or anything <laughs> like that. But um, I'm always just so enamored by people who choose this profession and, and what they have to go through and the sacrifices they make and you know just how intense it is. So I have a lot of questions for you today. Looking forward. Awesome. And you know, on top of it, you because um, that's not enough, <laughs> um, you have also started this incredible company. And so we're going to learn all about Heal.com and kind of what your mission is and uh, what you're doing there. And you're also a mom of three kids. Um, The fact that you have all this going on is like mind blowing. So super excited to tell that story. So I did my little intro of Heal.com, but I'd love to hear from kind of your perspective. um, What is Heal.com in a like less technical way? Sure. So when my husband and I decided to start this company, what our concern was was that we were patients our kids were patients and no one was caring about us it was this odd situation where we were in a hospital we were you know pieces of carbohydrate in a room (laughs) you know a checkbox the nurse came in took vitals the doctor came in said okay blah 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 left nobody was paying attention and um 
when the, the, the experience that really led to the start of HEAL was in, in an emergency room and on our drive home from that trip with one of our sons, what I what occurred to me that I didn't realize is how transactional that entire experience was, and we were scared to death. You know, I'll never forget any time I have to deal with an ER, right? I, that feeling of... of just being so freaked out and so disturbed and so unable to put myself at ease. And this was your first child? Yes. Which everyone knows is always way more intense than the other kids. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. And and not, you know, it's funny, when I was in that ER, because I happened to have worked there before, so the physician that met with us and evaluated um, my son at the time said, you know, why are you here? You're a doctor. You should already know what an emergency is, right? But when you put your mom hat on, you oh, wait, don't... I didn't even realize. Wait, you're a doctor. So going to the emergency room is like a whole different thing it for is. you. It, it is and it isn't, right? Because everyone is entitled to be a patient. Right. Right? Me, you, right? So when you are a patient, you're entitled to that same care, that same attention to detail, that same, you know, let me hold your hand and tell you everything's going to be okay. And one of the things I'm really focused on with the, with the company that we've started here is this idea that the doctor brings compassion, right? The doctor brings that peace of mind. Um, the doctor brings an ease of everything's going to be fine, right? I'm here and let me guide you through these steps. And hey, if I do need to send you to the emergency room, well, now you know, and here's what to expect. I love that. Um, and so that's the, the changed, compassion. That's, that's really the game changer. So the compassion part of this is really what's kind of leading that's this it. effort. That's you know, it, and I often say this, right? That everything comes to your house, right? You can get croissants to your house. You can get groceries. You can get your hair done, your makeup done, pizza delivered. Your Uber will drop you off. You'll never see those people again, right? right? The experience we've built is one of building a relationship. And it's the idea that you don't have to go on to Google. You don't have to go to an urgent care. You don't have to find a CVS Minute Clinic, right? This is your doctor, and she can come and see you. Um, and she'll, you know, we've, we've also built software that allows her to remotely monitor, right. right? Let's suppose, you know, you, you have a child who has a high temperature and needs to be, uh, evaluated more long-term or, or you have, uh, a mom who has diabetes, right? We need to check the blood sugars. The doctor doesn't have to be here all the time. She can look at data, call you, use telemedicine wow. to coordinate an experience, right? So, that makes so this you is say, more than just good. doctor visits. There's oh, it's absolutely it's an ongoing relationship. It's an ongoing relationship. Beautiful. And that, and that is what, you know, to, to, I, you know, talked too much as usual, but that is what we've built, right? We've built the idea that someone is coming to bring you peace, right? And there's almost nothing like that. Nothing. Anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, a lot of kudos to you. I think, um, you know, the whole um, medical system in this country is, it's hard to navigate. It's confusing. Um, you know, the anxiety people have around it, it feels, um, it's not a warm and fuzzy feeling at all. And so, you know, the fact that you're trying to give this some heart and really kind of understand the pain points that people have around this is, I think, really revolutionary. So I, I applaud yeah. you. Well, thank you. And, and I think you're right. It is a very confusing system. 
But it's also made to be confusing. Right. And right? That's, um, that's done big by decision design. or just kind of so fell that into you're place. not able to get access, so that you're not able to use the service, so that you do have to pay for things you didn't think you should have to pay for, right? All of that is done by design. And so this idea that we removed the middle person from the experience of you having a doctor patient relationship, right? It's it takes time, yeah. right? It's nothing happens overnight. And we're not perfect, right. right? But that's really the goal is to build something that, you know, my husband, who's the CEO of the software company we've built, he often says it should be as easy to get a doctor as it is to get a pizza. Yes. Right? I'm, I, I'm sure you've heard that. This is a dumb, you know, I don't know why he thinks that's funny It's or smart. It's That's not the point. The idea is it should be that streamlined. It really right? should, yeah. And um, that's what, you know, it takes forever to build it, but that's what we're, well, we're you're on your way. Yeah. Um, so is it coming full circle in the sense, I was watching a show the other day, I think I was just laying on the couch on a Sunday afternoon and the, like the Andy Griffith show was mm-hmm. on and there was like a doctor making a house call. Right. Um, You know, in this black and white TV show. So this used to be a thing people did. Yeah. So why did it go away? It it became too difficult to scale. It became unaffordable, right? Nobody makes money delivering house calls. You make money doing the other things around that house call, right? The software we've built, streamlining our operations, taking some of the human elements. We don't need people to do scheduling. We don't need people to do routing. We don't need people to do dispatching. We don't need people to do billing. All of these kinds of things, you know, we've replaced with software and that will make this a profitable venture. Again, slow and sure, but the idea that this person used to come to your doorstep with, you know, tricks and in in that one black bag, I mean, that's actually what we started doing, right? We even own those black bags to this day. Our you doctors, do? yeah, our they doctors. They come with a bag. Yeah, they Is come it branded. Sometimes. It's branded in the whole thing, and they come, it. you know, they come to the door. Sometimes our doctors will go on house calls alone, and and they have a bag, right? Or you know, if they're a pediatrician, maybe it's a little bit bigger, something like that. But the idea again is this. Whew, you know, the doctor's here, right? Yeah, that bag is like such an iconic thing. Yeah, exactly. Just thinking about yeah. what it represents yeah, and exactly. what it means to people. Exactly. Okay, great. Well, we're going to talk more about the company. But um, as you know, She Dynasty is so much about kind of your journey. And you have so many amazing accomplishments even leading up to you starting this company. So I just want to kind of understand more about you, get to know you personally, how mm-hmm. you got here, mm-hmm. um, and everything that you've kind of been through. So... Um, you mentioned that you um, are from L.A. Yes. And both of your parents were doctors? Both of my parents are doctors. I was born here at Cedars. Me too. Uh-huh. And uh, both of my parents are doctors, and I had a pretty... Medical you know, doctors? Medical doctors. My my father is a kidney specialist like I am. My mother is a family medicine doctor. They still work in the same office all these years um, later. And um, they, you know, they... they I grew up with enormous luck and privilege, and they did everything for me, right? They, they got me to where I am. Was there an um, enormous kind of pressure from them to follow in their footsteps there as was, a doctor? Not so much to be a doctor, but certainly to have a graduate degree, right? right. right? Indians, we don't get away with anything less than some three-year or four-year right, something right. after college. Um, but the idea for you know my parents was very much founded on you should be a doctor because you're, you'd be very good at it, right? Um, which I think, you know, in, in looking back, what how they knew that. What qualities did they see? That's a great question. You? I don't know. I mean, I was always a good student. I was always really focused. 
And, you know, if you listen to my mom, who's, you know, kind of the classic Asian, you know, hard on me kind of mom, one of the things I hear her say is, there was nothing Renee did that she didn't try to be good at. Right. Right. And when you're being, you know, when you're being, let's say, you know, molded to be a doctor, that's an important quality because attention to detail, not missing things, not making mistakes, trying to get better and better, that's how you take care of people properly, right. you know. So that that was really their focus, that you have the you know, you have the focus, you have the skill set, you should do this. Um, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. In fact, I had interviewed, I had gotten a job uh, to teach at a, at a school in Los Angeles. And in the end, I got accepted to medical school. And I thought, well, you know, being a doctor, it, it is being a teacher, right? Right. Such a different route, being a teacher versus yeah. a medical doctor. It is, it is, and it isn't, right? I, I spend, you know, I still see my kidney patients um, about every week. I try to see them, and it's, it's really me spending time saying, here's what we need to do better, here's what we're not doing well enough, and here's how anatomically and physiologically you need to do this, wow. right? So these, these kinds of, um, these kinds of things are teaching, and they are breaking something that's pretty complicated down to a level that a layman can understand and then appreciate and use to protect him or herself, right? right. So you kind of got teacher. the best of both worlds. That's You're right. a teacher and a doctor. That's exactly right. And an entrepreneur That's exactly and a right. mom. <laughs> You've got it all going on. Um, so do you have any siblings? I do. I have a brother. I have a sister. We're all here in L.A. And is everyone a doctor? No. No. Thank goodness. Uh, that would be miserable family conversation. Um, my sister's an attorney. She also writes books for kids. Um, yeah, she's very smart. She's married to a doctor. Okay. Uh, and my brother is, uh, he does a lot of tech uh, stuff himself. He has his own company. And um, we all have uh, kids now, right? I have three. My brother uh, has two. My sister has two boys. So we see my parents, you know, we live near them. So we see them every Sunday. Nice. So um, thinking back to your childhood, um, were there any kind of sparks um, back then that might have been a clue to someday that you would be kind of an entrepreneur? Or uh, in a million years. <laughs> I kind of love when people say that just because people feel like, oh, you're either born with it or not. And yeah. sometimes that's not true. I, it is not true for me, right? I, I really, I'm always fascinated by how, not only how I got here, but how I've managed to stay. Because theoretically, I don't know anything about tech. I am not, you know, I'm, I'm this chief medical officer slash operating officer of this company. Nobody taught me how to do that. Um, when I started my practice years ago, about, you know, 15 years ago, I had to learn how to do HR and billing and, you know, pay bills and, and make mistakes. And, and I had to figure out how to be a leader to a team that helped me see patients. Um, and I had to figure out, you know, is this all I want to do, right? I still did want to work with medical students and residents, so I wanted to keep that teaching piece, which that kind of came naturally to me. But then I also wanted to have more responsibility, and so I had to figure out how to get, you know, when you go to a hospital, what you'll see is a lot of men, right? I had to figure out, you know, how will I get these men to let me be chief of medicine or had the peer review, right? Like, I'm going to read their charts. I'm going to comment on how their care is and if something could have been done differently, right? That's, you know, a little intimidating, right? It's a little, it's a little, um, 
especially, you know, 15 years ago, right right now, women are, are able to shine a little more, right? Do you feel like there's um, still a lot of boundaries put up against oh, women? Sure. So it's not, the problem's still there. I, I think if I looked different, um, we'd have 10 times the funding. Right. Interesting. Wow, that makes me sad. In some industries, being a diverse woman um, is very celebrated right now, yeah. and people are looking to kind of fund and get behind because almost it almost looks good for them on their resume. But I think there's some industries that haven't really quite adapted that thinking yet. And hundred percent, it's 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 not just an it's it's actually an if it's an effort to work against right. as well, right? You know, I I. It's not like I've stopped my personal life either, right? I've gone on. I've made children. Um, you know, I don't. I don't do maternity leaves, right? I don't get to. But, you know, I try to focus as well on being a parent and a mom, and that can be considered distracting, right? I don't have time uh, to go play golf or to chit chat with, you know, the guys. I don't get to do those things, right? Um, and in fact, I I won't do those things, you know. So that makes me maybe maybe considered as not a hard worker. Uh, though if you spent, you know, 20 minutes with me, you'd see I'm an obsessive worker. But that tends to be a theme right? with people I interview when she tends yeah. to yeah. better entrepreneurs. It's, yeah. it's kind of part of the game That's sometimes. Right. That's right. So, um, okay, so college, where yes. did you go to undergrad? I went to undergrad at UC uh, San Diego. Okay, mm -hmm. and what was your major to start? Biochemistry. Okay, so you went in knowing that you were going to go down the road. I thought I was going to be an engineer, um, and I ended up switching because I liked the science better. I also did a ton of classwork and coursework in literature. So um, I, I liked those two things. So uh, literature, like you wanted to be a writer? English literature, yeah. yeah Interesting. Any, yeah. Was there any specific um, area that you were thinking I liked, about? I, I focused a lot. I spent a lot of time on Shakespeare, you know. Um, it, it was really, honestly, my favorite part of college were those classes where they were very small, not a lot of people were, you know, they, they were, that was their full focus, and not a lot of people were like me, who were in science or scientists, right. you know. It's kind and of so a weird was, combo. They, yeah, and it, but it was wonderful. It was, you know. Like a really, creative outlet for you? That's exactly right. And, and really smart people who, you know, the way they can describe things in words, in speaking, in writing, I mean, it's, it's genius, right? So I enjoyed that so much. Beautiful. So moving on, um, after undergrad, you moved to Chicago to go that's to right. medical school. That's Where did right. you go? So I went to Chicago Med in okay. North Chicago. Well, with medical school, you go where you're accepted, right? It's, you know, at the time when I applied to medical school, it was insanely competitive. It still is, um, though I think fewer and fewer people want to be doctors anymore, right? How many schools do you have to apply to? People can apply to all of them. Right? Which is how many? Just give over over 200-something. Wow. People can apply. But, you know. How many I mean, did you I, apply to, do you I think? I don't. It wasn't that many, but it was probably on the order of 30, wow. right? Um, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, right? Every one of them has a different requirement and an essay and this and that. And um, I loved living in Chicago. It was, I had really, again, I really enjoyed school from the moment I started to the, you know, what I'm learning now. Um, but I lived there for school. I did my rotations there. Um, you know, I made so many friends there. And uh, it was really... It was really actually where I grew up. I didn't, you know, most people I think grow up in college, but UCSD was such a big school. 
you were just sort of overwhelmed by how many yeah. how many things were going on. Whereas medical school's way smaller and a much tighter knit group of mission aligned people. Right? right, we all had to do well. And you're still close with those people. I, I have I've got some of them. I mean, we all you know it, it's funny when we went to school. Thirty percent of my class was from California, thirty percent was from New York, and then something like twenty percent was from Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, those of us that could afford to come back to California might have ever even left already because it's just such an expensive uh, place to live. And so, as people move away, you kind of lose touch and, and whatever. People but go on with their lives. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, um, tell us about the process. It might have been easier for you just because you followed in the footsteps of your dad. But deciding what you know, you you decide you want to be a doctor. How do you make a decision, and how soon into medical school do you have to make a decision of what kind of doctor you want to be? So in fact, it was harder for me because I didn't want to do what my dad did because why would that be interesting, right? So I thought I wanted to be a radiologist, which um, is what I really focused on. And the reason I thought that is I really liked in medicine, there was the patient interaction and I liked it, but what I really wanted to focus on was the science, right? And so I thought if I focused in radiology, I'd be able to really look at physiology and you know, kind of when, when you're a, a radiologist, you really have to use clues to put a case together. Right. And I, I loved that, you know. But then as I got into radiology, I realized, wow, this is so removed. I'm, I'm all alone. I'm in a room, dark. You didn't have the people in Yeah, what the hell am I doing, right? Wow. And so then I realized, well, radiology wouldn't be the right fit for me. Um, and I have to consider where can I find the science I love and and still have some of that human interaction. And in fact, it, it ended up being that I thought, well, let me do internal medicine, right? And I'll figure it out. When I got into an internal medicine, I thought, well, you know what? It's cardiology. I love cardiology. And Does fact, everyone have to start with internal medicine? You have to start with internal okay, medicine so every before you do a fellowship. Starts. Okay, understood. Before you do a fellowship. Okay. Um, it depending, like if you're a pediatrician, you can just stop or you can continue another three years and do more training. And the same is uh, true for internists. Um, as an internist, I thought, you know, let me be a cardiologist. I spent a ton of time at Cedars, which has a, you know, world-class cardiology uh, division. I did not like meeting the people, the doctors, right? It was just not, not what I was looking for. And where I really found people that spoke to me was in the ne- nephrology divisions, the kidney specialty uh, divisions. Plus, you probably had a bit of a I foundation did, there, I obviously, had, from your dad. I did, and, and my dad was so it. admired, right? My dad was the first, um, he was probably the first nephrologist in the San Fernando Valley, right? There are patients that he had, and I'm taking care of their kids, if you can imagine, right? So, you know, they have genetic kidney disease. Or are your parents first-generation American? They sure are. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, it is It is really, you know, it is part my dad, but it was really this, um, I love this this part of medicine. Kidney, kidney specialists are thought to be really smart, right? Yeah. Because the kidney is super complicated. Every organ, you know, falls. There's some effect it will have on the kidney, right? Now, I'm not telling you that because I think I'm that smart, but I'm telling you that because it's so much to learn kidney disease, right? It is, I mean, I did three years of a fellowship. You know, I specialized further in in high blood pressure, and I spent time in understanding transplant. And it's one of these things where you can go on and on and on and still only know a tenth of what you need to know, right? So um, I'm really 
I, I really love being a kidney specialist, but it's shocking to me how much I constantly have to stay up on my my learning. Yeah. You know, I, I read every week, oh, if you can imagine. I think we all secretly pray that doctors all do that. That's right. That's yeah. You should. You should. <laughs> so when you decided um, to go into medical school, was there ever just a moment of you stopping and thinking, wow, this is such a huge commitment? Um, you know, I'm always just, again, so wowed by what doctors have to go through for so many reasons, just because it feels like your brain you know, can never stop because mm-hmm. you have your patients on mm-hmm. your mind. You can't just like go home at five no. and just be like done no. because no, you, know, you don't, you don't. So was there ever a moment of, well, what if I just want to be a mom mm-hmm. and I just want a simple life? Mm-hmm. And did mm-hmm. you struggle mm-hmm. with that at I all? I sure did. And, and in the first, so in my first year of medical school, the, the year was divided into quarters. So after the first quarter, one of our classmates dropped out which by the time you finished one quarter of medical school, you've already spent $10,000, right? And I remember seeing this guy drop out and I went home that day and I thought to myself, hmm, you know, he had the guts to do it. Do I really want to do this, right? Because this is a lifetime commitment. And my parents are those old fashioned doctors, you know, my dad, no matter the time, he will call the patients back, right? I've seen my dad do things for patients that like, now legally you just don't do you're not even supposed to do right um but he has compassion but he has compassion which is probably where you learned that which is why you started your 100 you know from from my parents um where i figured out how to be thoughtful about that and you know when i saw that guy leave and i remember that day i remember i remember sitting behind him in class when he was telling someone else this is it my last day i'm done I just remember thinking what a stressful thing it must have been to make the decision, but how free he must feel, right? He's $10,000 in debt now. Um, It's not easy to pay that off when you have no plans for a loan deferment or residency. What are you going to do, you know? So it's a very real thing. It is a very real thing. So tell people, okay, so you finished kind of law school. You've become a doctor now. Mm -hmm. You've moved back to L.A., Mm -hmm. Um, you know, again, a lot of my um, audience probably doesn't know a lot about your profession and mm-hmm. what you do. So tell us, you know, because I have ideas in my head of what the life of a doctor is. Mm-hmm. We're, we'll talk about kind of how Heal.com kind of layers on top sure. of that. But how, what is your everyday life like in the sense of like, how do you kind of turn that off and be a mom and kind of it's figure out how to balance It's very difficult. That? It's, I don't do it well, right? And I'll, I'm the first to admit that I don't turn off. That's the problem, right? Um, When you're a doctor, and especially when you're taking care of people with kidney disease who are chronically ill, they need you, right? Um, And you need to accommodate their needs. And so I remember uh, one weekend before I was married, Nick and I were at an Angels game, at a baseball game. And my phone, I think we had just gotten cell phones, like it was about 10 years ago, right? They were those big phones. And it was ringing every five minutes right and Nick said to me what you know what is this right I mean this is outrageous you're disturbing me you're disturbing the people around me like what the hell you know can't enjoy the game let's go right um and I remember that instance and I remember thinking god this guy is such a jackass he doesn't (laughs) understand me right like this is my freaking job I have to do this you know um but it's important that you know I take care of patients but it's also important that I I'm able to say this isn't an emergency. Right now is time to spend with someone else, right? So there's this humongous dilemma of what is urgent 
and what is important. Interesting. And so you become kind of a master at trying to figure out oh, what is important. Master is strong. Master okay. is strong. <laughs> but you become you become very efficient, mm-hmm. and you become very capable of saying, let's cut through this. Here's what needs to happen here. Here's what you need to do there, right? Because right? patients probably think everything is an emergency. That's right. They don't know. Yeah. They don't know, and you have to educate them. You know, I was, I was having a conversation with somebody at my office yesterday, and we were talking about how, you know, with every woman who I interview, we talk about work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And I was telling her that the question kind of annoys me. Mm-hmm. And she said, why does it annoy me? And my assistant who's sitting in the room said, I know why it annoys you because you are a workaholic and you love to work. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, again, the common thing that I kind of find um, with a lot of the women who I interview on mm-hmm. She Dynasty mm-hmm. and entrepreneurs is there is a passion mm-hmm. and there is something that drives us yeah, from within. There's an ambition. There's an ambition that becomes a priority. That's right. That's and right. I interviewed, you know, one woman who kind of put it so blunt and so beautiful. And she's like, you know what? work-life balance mm-hmm. she's like you know what I can't be a good mom to my kids if I'm not happy mm-hmm. and I'm not happy if I'm not working mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so okay that's extreme mm-hmm. I get it but I think what you're touching on is kind of the same thing you made a choice to mm-hmm. be a doctor I did you knew what you were getting into I did. and so when people ask you that that question about work-life balance you know you kind of knew that this is what you signed up for and that I, people were going to need you no, around the clock I have you know I'm not I'm not even going to say I'm extreme or not right when I married Nick I said my name is Renee Dua, and I'm a doctor, and I'm going to keep that name, and I'm going to keep that job, and I'm never going to stay home. And I just want to be very, I mean, he'll tell you that conversation because he was like, fuck is this, you know, who the <laughs> hell is this woman, right? But it, it's, it's, it was important for me, and it, it, to this day, that's how I operate, straight shooting. This is what I can do. This is what I can't do. And I'm going to tell you when I can't do it, because I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want you to have expectations I can't meet. With my kids, you know, there's nothing I've done better than them, right? There is no heal. There is no nephrology. There is nothing that trumps what, you know, those three people and how unbelievable they are, right? I don't even know how Nick and I could have, you know, I don't know what, what, you know, something landed and and that's how we made those three kids right it wasn't any genius of ours but it's really important that i even say to them you know mommy can't come to the school play daddy's gonna go right and daddy has to understand that this is a unit and so if i'm here with you then can he help me out somewhere else you know like this morning i i left very early to help my mom but I made sure he stayed with our baby, right? right? Because oh, yeah. that's important. And that, you know, that's a, a giant part of how you get a balance. For sure. That's right. And and so when people say work-life balance, you know, again, you have to be in this lucky place where you have a, a partner or help or support. And you have to be the kind of people that want that, that people want to help and support, right? And your kids kind of just come accustomed to kind of who you are, that's what your right. lifestyle is, and they, mom can't right. be there, dad's going to be there, and sometimes mom can that's be right. there, and dad that's can't right. be there. And... and as such, they become survivors, right? I watch, my sons are five and four, and they get themselves dressed, they brush their teeth, yeah. right? You know, they're learning how to make a little breakfast. Like, this is really amazing for them, Good. right? If yeah. something happens to me, they will survive, right. and that's very important. Yeah. Right. I, I love what you just said. I got chills when you said it. You said um, um, when you met your husband, my name is Renee yeah, Dua. Yeah, I did I'm not it. changing my name. I'm not changing my job. Yeah. And I'm not staying home. Yeah, I yeah, love that. Yeah. I got that chills was, that's a true that. story. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. 
Okay, I have a couple more questions because I think this leads beautifully into kind of heal.com. Um, when you go to medical school, do they have courses on teaching you how to be business people? None. Zero? Zero. So there's none of that? Cause, Zero. Because I often like wonder how doctors can do learn that we, practice. We, we don't build practices anymore. We work for someone else. Um, I was lucky. I had my, my dad teach me. I made so many mistakes. Oh, my goodness. We all do. Right. As business owners. So many. I still make mistakes, right? Nick teaches me a lot. I read a lot. You know, I try to read so much about HR and, and stuff that, like, nobody taught me. Right. But it's so important. And what about another question I have, and I think a lot of people listening have this question. Are there classes on bedside manner? No, and there should be. So that's something that I, you know, always wonder just because every time I go to the doctor, you know what I do now just because I'm such a, I think I'm a hypochondriac, I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. um, I literally give him a speech about how to deliver news to me, mm-hmm. like because mm-hmm. I'm so nervous of how mm-hmm. he's going to say things mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. like, just please be careful how you position things yeah, and yeah. don't make it yeah. seem, because I will leave and Google and yeah, yeah. so I hope. And and we don't, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing for me to tell you that they don't, spend any time teaching a doctor how to deliver news, right? Um, and the, the implication is you're becoming a doctor, so you must be compassionate. But if you look at a place like UCLA or Kaiser where, you know, care can be very complicated, very rushed, people, what they do is they hide behind a computer, oh, right? Yeah. That's, that's how they save that piece where they don't have to learn how to deliver information. They just, well, the nurse will be in here to tell you what to do. Right. Right. And that's why doctors are getting such a bad rap and, and nurses, you so know. So do you oh. get lessons in how to deliver news to people? Nothing. There's nothing. Nothing? There is nothing. There is nothing. Might be a business model. On oh, that. it's it's you know Kaiser's uh, opening a medical school. I wonder if they will focus on something like that. Um, obviously, I haven't been to medical school for a long time, but in my mind, I mean, I, I do hire doctors that are finishing residency and and you know uh, looking for their jobs and whatnot. And I ask them, you know, how how do you talk to patients? I see how they talk to me, right? Right. If they don't know how to talk to me, good grief. Forget it, right? Right. All right, so moving on. So you met your husband. What did he do when he, when you so, first met him? So my husband is by training an engineer. He's an electrical engineer. Okay. And this is his fifth venture-funded startup. Nice. So this is what he does. He starts companies ground up, zero nothing. This is an incredible thing each and every time you do it. And he gets the funding. And we, wow, it's a perfect we, match. It, it's, it is a wonderful match. Um, it is a skill set that... You know, the way Nick can can do that, start something out of nothing and then fund it. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. Okay, so you already told us about kind of your big spark. You guys um, kind of got married. You had kids. Um, at this point, you were a doctor. You had this awful experience mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. emergency room mm-hmm. with your son. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us, like, how did that – you obviously had some conversations. My husband and I always um, will be in a situation when we're – there's some specific pain point in our life. I'm like, we should start a company to solve this problem. But mm-hmm. so few people actually kind of materialize that. Right. So talk about that moment where you had this idea, where you were so frustrated, and how you transitioned that into like, let's start a company. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, if, if these things were easy, everybody would be doing it, right? And so for uh, Nick and I, we were just disgusted. Right. We we weren't, you know, I was already so insanely busy as a kidney specialist. I wasn't being a good mom or wife, period. Like there was no debate. Um, and then just seeing how things were being handled with my son, it, it just 
it didn't work for me, you know? So I had actually touted the idea to Nick a few months earlier in front of his mom. And I had said, you know what, I'm going to have, I, I was saying to his mom, Nick is going to be my medical assistant and he's going to drive me around and we're going to deliver house calls. And my mother-in-law said to me, I forbid you from going into people's homes. You know, I, for, I will not, it's not safe. I don't want you doing this, right? And, you know, I kept thinking about it because what I really thought is, first of all, it's, it is safe. When people need you, they need you and they're not, you know, they're disarmed, right? And second of all, I think this is a way for me to kind of control my ability to be with patients and surface what their needs are in their presence instead of having them call me after or look for me or right. not find me or, or even worse, go to the ER. Mm -hmm. um, and so Nick and I had kept talking about that. And then after that ER trip, I said to Nick, you know, that this is so, it's so profoundly important but I'll tell you secretly, you know, I was so busy already. I thought, God, I can't imagine doing this. I can't imagine being busier, right? And it's funny that I thought I was busy, right? This is, whatever this is, is nuts. And so it, it, it was this moment, there was this light that went on. But I have to say that when, when people take on these kinds of opportunities, they stay because it's working, right? right? And it's working. It's very slow. Healthcare is very hard. It's very slow. It's very expensive, but it's working. Right. So how did it, so tell us how did you start the company? Like what was the first thing you did? So uh, the first thing we did was we had the idea, obviously. And Did you pick, think of the name right away? No. So Nick built the app with a friend or two. Uh, one of our, he's, he's our head of product. He named it Heal, in fact. Um, and that was... And what year was that? Four years, uh, five, almost five, October 2014. Okay. And what they had built was this very simple, download the app, push a button, get a doctor for $99. That was it. It was only operational in Santa Monica, Brentwood, around there. Um, and we slowly expanded it into Long Beach and How'd you Pasadena. get doctors to sign up? I was the first doctor, and Nick was the first medical assistant. And we just drove around. We would drive 100 miles, right, a day. Um, and then, wow. as, yeah, it was nuts. So you were the very first doctor. I was like the very people first could call doctor. you on the app. Correct. And so we weren't even seeing kids yet. And then, as I started to see there was an interest, we, you know, we got a million and a half dollars in funding in a week, right? Well, only Nick can do that. Um, oh, Nick. And um, Nick. <laughs> yes, yes. Love that. And uh, we took that money and we hired an engineer to help us build a dashboard. And then we hired a growth hacker to help us basically grow visits. And then separately, we worked with someone who was going to help me with this concept of hiring doctors. And one by one, to this day, I get on the phone with every single doctor. So you vet everyone. Every single MA, every single one and, to this day. And doctors are open to this? They, I mean, they, they come to me. They come to you. Yeah, and what they do they love me. about it? They Flexibility, 100% of our doctors say one thing, right? And it's they want to spend time with patients. That's 100% of our doctors. Oh, my God, I love that. Yeah. It's like, you know, you just think about, like, all the pain points that you've solved. Like, the whole experience. Go, I'm going to the doctor this afternoon. So there's the parking, which is, like, $25. Mm -hmm. Yep. Start with that. That's annoying, right? Yep. You get there. You have to wait. You're sitting in the waiting room. And then you have this, like, 
small window of time. What is it like? Ten minutes? What's the average? That That's it. Ten minutes. Mm -hmm. And you you have you know a lot of times, especially if you're sick or there's really something wrong, you have so much kind of emotion and thoughts, and you want someone to spend time and explain, and you always feel so rushed, and you're supposed to come up with all your questions. I usually end up forgetting half my questions because mm -hmm. there's this like stress that I have to kind of cram mm -hmm. it all in. Mm -hmm. And then the doctor comes in. You ask some questions. It's a little intimidating. Some of them don't have good bedside manner. There's just this like pressure because of the time slot that's, that you that's have. That's the problem. There's just this. The doctor's under pressure, and so are you. Right. And that is the problem. And so it's really, um, it's really a, an interesting pain point that you mm -hmm. have solved mm -hmm. because there's so much wrapped into like what goes on. That's right. In that kind of yep. ten minutes, yep. and the fact that they come to your house, it's more relaxed. You don't feel like. You know, they have to, there's somebody in the next waiting room because also when you're sitting there, you see the other 10 people mm -hmm. sitting next to you and you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. that you're just on a list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, again, just like love. I mean, I don't know how, how I can do it any other way after yeah. talking to you. <laughs> um, interesting. So I guess it's it's just like going, so the question I would have, and you'll answer this, I'm sure, is do you get to build a relationship with the same doctor? Is that same doctor keep coming back to you? You? Can, you can schedule that. And so... For example, in your neighborhood, there's a preferred doctor, right? There's someone who lives around you, someone for kids, someone for adults, someone who does both. Oh, um, so and you can pick that person. Now, if you need more urgent evaluation, then you'll you'll be able to see whoever's closest, right? right. Um, and so and is it we kind thought of about that. On demand, like if I needed a doctor, do I have to schedule it like for tomorrow or if no, I need somebody it's this typically, afternoon? You know, you unless we're already booked, right? right? Which does happen, of course. But Typically, you can get a same-day appointment within a two-hour window. Mm -hmm. And I love that the doctor kind of lives in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That's, mm -hmm. that's interesting. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, it will drive if mm -hmm. not, and of people course. are willing to. Yeah. All right. So, you know, it seems like we just talked about, you know, Heal.com is kind of solving. It's the first step in kind of a very kind of complicated, um, you know, broken medical system that we have um, for a lot of people. Um, you know, what other kind of healthcare change would you like to see? And are there, are there any other kind of add-ons that you guys are looking at from a business perspective to continue the growth of heal.com? Yeah, so I, I did mention some of them before that what we've been focused on right now is remote monitoring and telemedicine, right? So that if mom is a diabetic, we want to check blood sugars, we want to see those sugars on our software, we want to have a telemedicine phone call with mom and say, you're doing great, or, you know, let's bump up your insulin or whatever. We're also separately working on two other pieces that I've, I've been trying to target, you know, the, the issue is time. One is, you know, women's medicine, right? This business of you know, you're a young woman who needs birth control or STI testing or, or, you know, HPV vaccine or that kind of piece. And then the second part is mental health, right? Um, you know, mental health is a really big, big issue. Um, I don't see a patient who doesn't have a component of anxiety or depression almost ever anymore, right? And again, it comes to that piece of, you know, the, the setting you just described about going to the office where you're so provoked already and that provocation just grows because no one is eliminating it, right? So this idea that we can deliver a house call or do a telemedicine conversation with someone and say, 
you know, so how, does, how do I help? How does the data, like if I, if I, let's say I have diabetes and you're monitoring mm-hmm. it, how does, how does the data get from the we use, patient to we the We use doctor? a device, it's called the Heal Hub. We plug it into the wall and we pair it with a glucometer, which checks your blood sugar. And then every time you check the blood sugar, we get the, the number. So it just kind of automatically gets sent to you. You wouldn't even know it's happening. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this is going to happen across multiple it's different happening. issues. It's happening already. So right now we're doing it for um, temperature, f- I'm sorry, for blood pressure, for uh, blood sugar, for weight, for oxygenation, right? So, and, and we'll slowly grow that out. Okay. And then talk about insurance. How does insurance pay, play a role? So we are in network with every major PPO uh uh, payer in California. I think you know that we're also uh, operational in Brooklyn. We're operational in uh, metropolitan D.C. and North Virginia, Atlanta. Um, here in California, we're also starting to do managed care deals, which means we are the PCP for HMO patients. Again, the HMO has looked at data to say these are people who are not accessing care or they're using the emergency room unnecessarily or they need more coordinated care and then we become the PCP and we get to do we get to take ownership for that relationship, which is truthfully the kind of medicine we've always wanted to practice. It allows us to focus a lot on kids, a lot on seniors, you know, the vulnerable populations that really do have these access issues. Is there, I'm trying to think, is like, is there a reason why you wouldn't choose heal.com? I mean, I'm trying to think of like what the barriers of, there might, feels like there's something I'm missing. No, I mean, I think, of course, you know, maybe you don't think it's, this is a real doctor, right? Um, Maybe you think you don't want this person in your house. Maybe you think, Maybe maybe people are embarrassed of their homes. That's true. And and, and that happens, right? And Mm -hmm. we could obviously care less, you know. Um, Maybe you, you know, you think, oh, the, the, uh, science, you know, they, they can't do all the same stuff. Well, let's as talk an about office. that. So yeah. you go to an office, there's equipment there. There's yeah, we bring vaccin- our own. You, there's vaccinations. We there's bring our own. all kinds of blood pressure machines. We do all the, we you do bring all, all of that. We sure do. We sure and do. it's all mobile? It's all mobile. So do you kind of pre-screen like what the visit's about and then do they bring uh, things based no. on? No. We show up, every visit is standardized, right? Um, we show up with a kit that and, and if we have to, vaccinations, right? We don't just willy-nilly bring vaccinations. Of course, we want to, you know, protect them. But um, we show up with a standardized set of supplies depending on the type of visit. To give you an example, if a mom or dad or guardian books a, a well child exam and that child needs to be vaccinated, on that day we'll bring an additional piece, right? A cooler with the vaccines and we're okay, checking so the you, temperature. you have add-ons and things that you know that. based on what kind That's of appointment exactly right. it is. That's exactly right. But let's suppose that vaccination visit is at 3 o'clock and the pediatrician has five other visits before then we still bring the vaccinations early in the morning and we just check hourly on the on how they're doing and the temperatures and uh-huh. make sure it's it's a complicated process um, but virtually everything that can be done in an office we can do in a house call there are a couple caveats right if a person calls and or pushes the app and puts you know I'm having a heart attack well, of course you we can't can, call can that's right we cannot come and that's happened and right? x-rays are probably not a thing x-rays are you know one one of the things about spending time with patients is as a clinician you realize well I don't really need that, right? If someone has a sprained ankle and you examine them, the likelihood that they need an x-ray is 
almost zero, right? right? Same with uh, the chest, right? And so you'd be surprised to find out that we don't refer out for that stuff as much as you think we do, right? Because we're examining people and we're right. having a conversation. So the, the flip side is that is a lot of doctors are recommending x-rays because they're in the office and they're it's probably rushing. an add-on and it's just good rushing. for business, well, right? I wouldn't say it's good for business. It's not like we get paid to do things like that. But I would say that it's wasteful, right? I mean, part of why our healthcare system is such a mess is we're really good at spending money and not really good at spending time. So tell me, why do you think that the awareness and demand for convenient and affordable, hyper-personalized wellness is becoming so important to people? Like, what what's changed in people that is... I think it's not necessarily always about convenience, and I think it's a lot about quality. So the cityscape is changing, right? Amazon brings everything to you. And now there's an understanding that you don't have to go anywhere to get anything. Um, But I also think there's a sentiment that Amazon has better stuff, right? Um, Or, you know, the the person, this doctor is actually the best doctor I've ever worked with. And we hear that all the time, you know? So I think that's what it is. So strategically, are you guys targeting kind of a younger generation just because the the generation that really understands that everything being delivered to your house is probably more millennial, Gen Z, not so much Gen X or boomers? Or where is your sweet spot right now? Surprisingly, no. Surprisingly, you know, again, the millennial generation absolutely uses this app and they love it, right? On the other hand, they, you know, as they grow up and have kids, those kids need care and they don't want to lug three kids to an office, right? And as their parents grow up, their parents are seeing, you know, whenever I I do something at this company, the first thing I do is test it on myself and test it on my parents, right? Right. And I'm not a a millennial, but my parents are very good at texting. They're very good at apps and they book their visits, right? We have, you know, heel hubs in their house and we monitor them. And they use those things religiously because right. they see the value that it provides and it keeps the doctor away, sure. which is what they They're like. probably just a bit more of a learning curve for an older generation because they're used to doing things a certain way it's where true. younger generations are born into like, oh, this is just normal. This I just have my phone done. and a doctor yeah. shows up. And, and I will say you'd be really impressed to see, you know, our senior population is super savvy. They really get it. They want to be a part of it. They think it's future thinking and you know that that's been their experience we also do tailor a relationship to a guardian right Mm -hmm. that's important tell us um tell us you know obviously you've built a business you have like you 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 spoke about this earlier but you big learning curve you had to figure out how to be a boss you had to figure out hr you had to figure out funding um tell us any snags that you really like a snag in the business that you really had to kind of overcome a moment where you thought it was going to break you but you kind of really that's every day (laughs) um that is every day you know being an employer in california is very challenging um keeping payroll happening keeping people um cognizant of the cognizant of the importance of their job right um you know, the other day I was I was having a conversation with one of the people on our, our operations team who was asking me questions, and I, I told that person, you have to empower yourself, right? You have to think, 
what should I do? Not what would, what would Renee do? Right. Right. What if Renee isn't here anymore? What are you going to do? You know, how are you going to push this company forward? And so there's, you know, there's a lot in there about being a mentor, being a leader, knowing it all, right? Who knows it all? Um, so there's, it's every day. That's an everyday question. So do you ever kind of wake up and feel like, oh, what did I get into? I just want to be a doctor. I don't know about running a company. Yes. It's a normal part of being an entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> but then, so what pushes you to move forward? Again, I think we're doing great things, right? Um, first of all, I don't want to let people down. I think we're doing, we have a great team who's very, very spirited, very mission-driven. They want this to work. We have great medical doctors and medical assistants that are bought into this will work. We have patients who really push for us. We have awesome investors. I don't want to let them down, right? right? But this will work. Yeah, it will work. Sure. Yeah. Do you feel like you have to switch your brain on and off from being an entrepreneur and a medical doctor? Like it's a kind of a totally, totally different, different totally skill different. set. It is totally different. And and yes, I do. Right. I do. Because who I am as a doctor is not the boss. Right. Who I am as a mother is I'm not the boss. Right. right? That's different. So how would you describe your leadership style? You know, I like to ask people if they follow what I'm saying. That's the, the if, if you ever were to surround yourself with the teams that I work with, what you would hear me say over and over is, does this make sense? Am I making sense? Is this, do you agree with this, right? Is there anything you would do differently? Um, I don't know if you, if that's leadership, it's more conversational. Um, but I like, I know the answer to many things and there are certain things that just have to be done a certain way. But I also like people to say, I get it. Right. We'll do it that way. I, I follow. So heal.com is obviously a very big idea. It's kind of a radical idea in the in the world of healthcare. Is it being accepted or rejected by the medical community as a whole? And are there any issues around that that you're dealing with? Yeah, both, both. I think doctors love it. I think medical assistants love it. I think hospitals don't love it, right? Um, they're worried that patients are not going to come to the ER, even though they want you to leave the minute you get there, right? Mm-hmm. That's how they make their money. So... Um, the saddest part of that statement is, is if we all think about patients, right? If we think like patients, mm-hmm. then we'll understand that we can all work together. Um, but that just isn't the way the world works, is it? <laughs> so when you started this company, did you kind of look at it as um, this is just kind of a pain point? Or did you see the bigger picture of like you are, in a sense, trying to like take an old stodgy model and revolutionize it? I that- see it as the latter, right? This this. Heal may or may not win, but in 10 years, the doctor's office is going to be a very different place, right? The hospital, the building, you know, that you walk into is going to be for very different purposes. Beautiful. And how many people are on your core team right now? You mean our technology team? Yeah. Our team is about 35, 40 people. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty big. Mm-hmm. And doctors? For what we've done, that's nothing. Right. <laughs> Those guys are unbelievable how hard they work, all of them. And so there's kind of like a headquarters where? That's right. In, in Los Angeles, we in have Los our headquarters. Angeles. That's right. Okay. Do you consider yourself a technology company? Yes. We are, so. we are a software company. You are Absolutely. a software company. Period. Full stop. And um, you talk, we talked about funding. Um, it seems like it was not an issue for you guys to get funding? Is it just, is it the kind of thing that the second you went to investors, they were like, where do I sign? How well, can I so get that's on board? Well, so that's a phenomenal question. And so I would say initially it was not hard because everybody gets this idea. But here's the thing about fundraising. Money by and large comes from men with lots of money. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and if men don't need health care, which by and large they don't think they do, then why would this appeal to them? Maybe they care about their wives or partners or kids, but when they have a lot of money, they probably have a doctor on speed dial too, right? So that's an enormous thing to break through. Um, and that's why I said to you that if I looked different, you know, we'd probably have more funding, right? If I if I could spend my time golfing and, and chit-chatting, right? Um, it, we'd be a very different company. And so I see that all the time where someone is doing something not nearly as impressive, but the guy that chose to fund them over us, it's because they had some, you know, right. relationship. I see it every day. Right. Um, this is a very challenging company to fund and we need to keep funding it, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So obviously there's building the company, there's the technology, there's the operations, there's dealing with staff, there's also marketing. You have to get the word out That's about right. that. So and, tell a, us, and that is very expensive, by the way. Very expensive. I, I know that. Mm-hmm. I own an ad agency, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I get it. Um, so tell us, what's your strategy there and how do you get the word out? Mm-hmm. How do people learn about Healed Off? The, the best way to get the word out is, of course, to offer fantastic care, right? When you have a doctor come and that doctor provides you with phenomenal compassion and comprehensive high quality care, of course, you'll tell all your friends and you'll use it again. That's step one. But step two is getting the word out like this, right? Talking to you, having your listeners hear me out. Um, You know, I I do as many things, any opportunities I get to talk about heal, I I jump on, right? I love it. I love how, like, as soon as we called you, you were so open to do this. That shows me that someone who really cares about, like, doing this in a grassroots way and wants to connect with people. That is how this company, I mean, me and and Nick, we used to sit at farmer's markets. You know, I used to do blood pressures and bring balloons and and these kinds of things. I mean, to this day, they still work. Right. right? You know, this is, she dynasty is kind of hard for me just because, um, you know, I'm smart enough to know, we all are, that it's it's awesome because we have an audience and you want to get your word out. I never want this podcast to feel like a giant ad, like mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't pay me to be mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And um, But at the same time, it's so important to me that I choose women who I, you know, believe yeah. in kind of what they're doing. Yeah, they and have some integrity. Some integrity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah. so far everything I'm hearing is like, wow. Well, thank you. It's kind of blowing me away. Thank you. Okay. All right, so tell us, um, what keeps you up at night? Oh, good, Lee. I, I have a, um, a sleep evades me. So the worst thing that I think we do at Heal, I'll leave that, right, is to some degree we fracture care, right? Patients are using us for convenience when they already have a doctor or they have someone with whom they have a relationship, but that person is not available. And that means that we're coming and interrupting the flow of someone's hard hard work, mm-hmm. frankly. And then we'll say to that patient, well, can we share these records with your normal PCP? And they'll say no, right? Like they don't want that PCP to know that they're being cheated on. And, you know, I don't love that, right? I don't, I don't love that, but you know. But isn't the goal to get them to kind of shift over and not be kind it, of fractional It is care? And, and it isn't, right? Who, you know, there are patients who have phenomenal doctors that are in buildings, right? right? And and I respect those. I am one of those people, right? right? That's how I started. So you believe that there's I, kind of a need for both? I, I, I think there are people who want both, right? Um, and I am I have no problem with that. To say that we don't want to collaborate with those people is wrong. And I'll give you an example. When a pediatric office is not open on Saturday or Sunday, but Guardian needs a note for Monday morning, you better believe those patients are using our, our service, right? 
God, and I've needed that. That's <laughs> so right. And by by definition, right, that may mean that you have to offer Saturday or Sunday offers, you know, hours as as a physician in a building, right? And so there are there are these accommodations we're all going to have to make. But from the perspective of heal, I I don't want to I don't want to interrupt relationships. Okay. Um, so tell us as you've kind of started this company, and I think you've answered this, but how have your goals kind of shifted since you've kind of the moment you started to kind of where you are today with heal.com? I've always had the same goal, which is to deliver access. That's been the goal. You know, this is, so it hasn't wavered. Not at all. This isn't as much about convenience as it is about you need me and I want to help. Right. That that's really been my focus all along. Do you have time for any other passions or hobbies between being a doctor or mom and oh, running Heal.com? I, I used to be a very interesting, uh, talented person, and that is long gone. But no, I, I enjoy the most spending time with my kids. That's the best. Beautiful. Any actionable advice for those listening that are interested in entrepreneurship, starting a company, a startup? Surround yourself with smart people. Okay. In one word, what is your biggest strength? What is your greatest weakness? My biggest strength is my ability to streamline, right? I I just cut right to the chase. And my biggest weakness is probably my my inability to stop, to turn off, take a break. Okay. So um, tell us a pet peeve that you have in business. Something that annoys you that maybe if your staff is listening, they could learn from. Leave that comment aside. <laughs> um, pettiness, right? I don't like petty. I don't, I don't like shit talking. I don't want to waste my time on listening to it, and I don't want to hear about it. Um, you know, when people have too much free time, it's a bad, bad sign. Okay. <laughs> Any words that you live by or something that you've learned from another powerful woman in your life? I don't know if it's from a woman, but one of my favorite concepts and thoughts is um, in the history of everything that works, there was a time when it didn't. That's right where we are. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Um, some, what's something that you never want anyone to come to you and say? Your doctors did not offer me great care. I love that you're making it about that. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Um, Okay. And then finally, how do you define success? Well, I think I, I, I have reached a point where I feel that I am successful, right? I've done the things I've wanted to do. I've become a doctor. I've become a mother. um, And I'm, I have found an interesting job that keeps me fulfilled. Right. That's how I would define success. So you wouldn't change anything about the way your life is structured right now if you could start over? Um, it's a little too busy, right? I'd, I'd probably pull back from that a little bit, but it, this isn't the time, right? Um, I think... You can rest when you're a little older. That's right. Yeah. A little, little, little further along in what we're you know, trying to do here as a mission. It's too important yeah. right it now. Is. It I is. It is important. And I think it's too important. And I think it's necessary. So as such... You know, I'll, I'll wait it out a little bit. Beautiful. 
Okay. Well, I think that we have kind of covered it all. Um, I want to thank you again for being well, thank here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, again, I'm so wowed by, you know, not that. only heal.com, but just everything that you've accomplished and everything you balance. And again, the fact that you're so busy, but you still took the time to be here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Which means that you care about human connections and really um, letting people understand what your passion and your mission is. And um, again, I'm super excited to try heal.com. And um, thank you again. Thank you so much again. Awesome.